morning, Kavanaugh. We welcome you to your 1030 service. We are pleased that you have tuned in with us. And we want you to participate this morning. We're going to sing some songs before the sermon is preached this morning. And you'll find the lyrics to all the songs in the bottom third of your screen. So that means you get to sing right there in your living room or your car or wherever you're at. So join with us. Let's sing Made New.
Hey, good morning, Kavanaugh Church. Hope everyone's doing awesome. Thank you so much for joining us this morning online to be a part of our worship experience. We so wish you were here. We miss you a lot, and we would have loved to see your faces today. But regardless where we're at, we can join together right now, still lift up the name of Jesus, praise him for all that he's done for us, and dive into his word and learn from him. So we're going to have an awesome morning, and I hope you're prepared to do just that. But before we continue, I want all of you to jump in the chat and welcome one another. In fact, not just say hi, but to pop open your emoji keyboard, and you have an array of things you can do today. You can hand out high fives. You can throw up a wave, you can do some fist bumps, you can even give everyone in your chat a virtual hug, okay? Now, I know that, that might be far for some of you in person, but we're not about digital distancing, okay? So, do that this morning. Again, we're so thankful that you're here and glad you're a part. We miss you, we love you, and let's continue worshiping this morning.
Who do you say that I am? When I think of myself, I know exactly what you see. Every flaw, every blemish, the scars of my hurts and my mistakes, the things I've done to myself, the things that have been said and done to me, that's who I am. You see a mother, daughter, sister, an aunt. You see the scarce shadow of a woman's potential irreversibly wrapped in failure. But then I hear it that still, small voice. Who told you that? Who told you that you are defined by your mistakes? Who told you that you are ugly and broken? Who told you that you are only measured by what you give others? Who told you that brokenness and frailty are what you carry? Haven't you heard? You are not what everyone says you are. You are who God says you are, and you are His. He says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says you are a perfect design, made for a purpose, made for a destiny, and you are never alone. He says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He goes before you. He goes behind you. He says you are bold. He says you are brilliant. He says you are brave. He says greater is he that is in you. You are a masterpiece, hand-painted by the master himself. You are who God says you are.
are. We are loved. We are saved. We are forgiven. And like she said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm so thankful to God, today, God, that you've made us strong, that you've made us brave, and that we can overcome any fear that has uh, has us scared today in our communities. And I pray, God, for our leaders at the state, the local, and the federal level. And I pray, God, for each one that's listening today, that you would bless each heart, each family, each mother, each child. For, God, in you, we can be safe. You have us. We're strong. And I'm so thankful, God, for this church today, that you can continue to bless us, to be able to spread our word through the digital era. And I'm so thankful, God, that you have us covered and that you're covered up, you've covered us with your blood. And I pray once again, God, for Brother Will, as he brings us this message, that we would take it and that we would listen and we'd apply it to our lives. And I'm so thankful, God, for your son, Jesus, who came and died for us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. So glad that you're able to uh, join us in our worship services this morning. Love you guys, miss you, and I pray that you're doing well. My sermon this morning has to do with uh, how we can deal with dark days and uncertain times. Uh, <laughs> these are just the days that we're living in, and I'll tell you what, people are, people are so stressed out, they just don't know what to do. I just got a, an email from a buddy of mine down in Texas, and uh, he shared with me something I want to share with you because I, I think it can be beneficial uh, to where you're living right now. It's called the stress diet. So if you're really stressed out, here is a good diet you can implement into your daily plan that I know is going to help you. Uh, breakfast. Just eat half of a grapefruit, one slice of whole wheat toast, and then four ounces of skim milk. For lunch, four ounces of chicken breast, one cup of steamed zucchini, one Oreo cookie, and some herbal tea. Then for your mid-afternoon snack, the rest of the package of the Oreo cookies, one quart of Rocky Road ice cream, and an entire jar of hot fudge. And if that doesn't solve your stress, for dinner, have two loaves of garlic bread, a large pepperoni pizza, an entire pitcher of Pepsi, two Milky Way candy bars, and an entire frozen cheesecake eaten right out of the freezer. And I know that's going to help you with your stress. Uh, you know, people today are, are living in uh, unbelievable stress and under unbelievable pressure. The question is, where do you go and what do you turn to when you feel all of this stress and all of this pressure in your life? Uh, people are afraid that they're going to get sick and they're going to die. Mental health care doctors are telling us if we have a tendency for depression, we need to take preventative steps so that we don't get so depressed we contemplate suicide. So where do you turn 
when you're so stressed out that you can imagine yourself either suicidal or sick? Well, I think we need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to turn to our Savior. We need to follow his example. What did Jesus do when he was stressed out? And you say, well, Pastor, Jesus never got stressed out. Oh, yes, he did. Uh, let me tell you, Jesus faced some very dark days. In fact, Jesus faced the darkest day of the entire universe and world. Jesus had more stress in his life than all of us have collectively. What I'm talking about is that day that Jesus hung between heaven and earth on Calvary's cross. And the sin of the world was placed upon his back. And he dealt with our stress. Jesus was stressed emotionally and physically and spiritually. What did Jesus do during the moments of his greatest anguish and affliction? Well, we don't have to wonder. We can read about it. In Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 44, it says, It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, Jesus breathed his last breath. So in those last stress-filled, anguish, painful moments of Jesus' life, what did Jesus do? Well, he quoted scripture that he had previously memorized. For you see, when Jesus said, into your hands I commit my spirit, he was taking an Old Testament prayer of the psalmist David, and Jesus was making it his own. Literally, Jesus quoted Psalm 31. Uh, let's read the first five verses of that passage Jesus quoted. David said, in you, Lord... I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge. Be a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me. For you are my refuge. And now David said what Jesus quoted. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. And so for our purposes today, we can say that the whole of Psalms 31 is really summed up in verses 4 and 5. All 24 verses of this psalm are summed up in these two verses. For in verses 4 and 5, the psalmist deals with three th themes that really pervade the entire psalm. And the first one is this idea of a trap. Because he says in verse number 4, free me from the trap that is set for me. So David is somehow feeling trapped. You know, we use the same terminology today. People talk to me all the time about feeling trapped in a bad relationship or trapped in a bad marriage or trapped in circumstances of their own. Some people feel that they are trapped in a job 
that they don't like or, or they are caught in a trap of financial stress. A lot of you are trapped at home right now with the people you love, but those people are getting on your nerves. And right now you're wishing that your kids could go back to school and that your spouse would go back to work. <laughs> Why don't we just pause right now and you look at that loved one next to you, look at him right now and say, I love you, baby. <laughs> and we're going to make it through this. But, you know, people are trapped. They, they feel trapped. The Bible talks about different traps that we can fall into. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 12, it talks about birds being taken into a snare. And so men sometimes are trapped in evil times when those evil times fall unexpectedly on them. And we have fallen on some evil times. The Bible also tells us that the devil, our arch enemy, is setting traps for us every single day all over the place. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26 warns us about falling into the trap of the devil. So there are all kinds of traps that we can fall into. The psalmist, that is the Israeli king David, has fallen into a trap of some sort, and he was in a terrible state of mind. In fact, we just look at the words that he uses to describe how he's feeling in this trap. For example, in verse number 7, he talks about this feeling of affliction. Also in verse number 7, he talks about being in anguish. And then in verse 9, he talks about the distress that has taken over his life. Also in verse 9, he talks about the sorrow that he has. In verse 10, he's groaning. I don't know if he's groaning outwardly or internally, but he's groaning. groaning. In verse number 10, he talks about this weakness that has fallen over his body. And then the kicker is in verse number 12. He says, I feel like a broken piece of pottery, a cracked piece of pottery. So I wonder, are there any of you listening to me today and you feel trapped. You're trapped in your life. You feel like a broken piece of pottery. You're afflicted and you feel anguish and distress. Well, if that is your life, you need to listen to the second word. Because not only did the psalmist talk about feeling trapped, he wanted us to hear this word of truth. And what is the word of truth? It's found in verse number 4. He goes on to say, keep me from the trap that is set for me. Why? For you are my refuge. And that is the truth that you need to hear today, that God is our refuge. In fact, if, if you just step back and look at this entire Psalm 31, that is the main theme of the entire Psalm. It begins in verse number one, in you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Then in verse 2, be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. He says in verse 3, you are my rock and you are my fortress. Verse number 4, for you are my what? My refuge. And in verse 19, how great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you. Church, here is a truth from God's word. God is very, very good. But what does God do with all that goodness? Read on in verse 19. He stores it up for those who fear him. 
on those who take refuge in him. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them. In your dwelling place, God, you keep them safe. So guys, listen, if you feel trapped today, the truth is God is your refuge. Now, today is a unique day in Christian history. Today is what we call Palm Sunday. It is the day that Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem in great triumph. They, they laid palm branches before him as he rode in on that donkey. But that was just the beginning of the week. Jesus got off of that donkey and started walking towards Calvary. For on Thursday of this week, Jesus was arrested. And on Friday, Jesus suffered and died on Calvary's cross. Jesus hung halfway between heaven and earth. And the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, was placed on Jesus Christ. He suffered and he bled and he died so that he could be our Savior. So that he could save us from our sins. Write our name in the Lamb's book of life and save us for all eternity. So the truth of this week is that God is our refuge. Jesus is our Savior. And Jesus is going to save us from these perilous times. And that leads us to the third theme of this passage. It's simply the word trust. Look at verses 4 and 5. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands... I commit my spirit. That's what Jesus prayed. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The word commit means to entrust. Specifically, to entrust something into someone else's hands for safekeeping. To turn something over to someone else for their watchful care. And the wonderful thing about this verse is its versatility. In fact, you can end this verse with a blank, and you can fill that blank in however you need to. For example, those of us who are parents can say, Lord, into your hand I commit my children. If you've ever had kids, you, maybe you've faced the reality of this. Uh, Angie and I had our first child, Whitney, when we were living in Pine Bluff, and and I can remember that first day we went, sent Whitney to, uh, to school in Pine Bluff. To, to, to say we were worried is an understatement. Uh, we felt like we were in a trap of worry. And we worried all that day and all that week about our daughter's safety in, in school, how she was going to be treated, how she was going to do it. And, and, and don't go ask Angie about this, but, but I caught Miss Angie driving around the school at, at recess, ch checking on our baby girl. We were worried. Until one day I came across this passage in Psalms 31, and I realized that I could say this simple prayer, Lord, into your hands I commit my daughter Whitney to you. You know, that, that was great when they were little kids, but they're always our kids, and we always love them. And, and you know the story, a couple of years ago, our, our middle daughter 
Callie took a, a year off of school at Baylor University and, and went on a worldwide mission trip. She was gone for nine months away from us in foreign countries. And, and let me tell you, every day I prayed for Callie. Every day there was a part of me that, that worried for her safety. Daddy wasn't there to take care of his baby. But our Heavenly Father was there. And every day I could pray this prayer, Lord, I can't be with her, but you can. Lord, you love her like I cannot love her. And you can do for her what I can't do for her. So parents, isn't it great that we can pray this prayer for our kids? Lord, into your hands I commit my children. We can also say, Lord, into your hands I commit my talents and gifts and even opportunities. Because God has given every one of you special gifts and talents and opportunities. And we are to give those things back to God in full surrender to his service. Proverbs 16.3 reminds us that we are to commit to the Lord whatever we do. And if we do that, our plans will succeed. Number three, we can say, Lord, into your hands I commit this problem. The problem I can't solve. And the fear that I can't overcome. And, and guys, I'll have to be honest with you. This, this has been one of the hardest lessons for me to learn. Because I like to fix things. And if something is broken, I feel like it's my duty to fix it. But I find myself in circumstances that I can't fix. We are in the in a midst of a global pandemic that none of us can fix. This is a problem that is greater than our efforts. But what a joy and what a peace that comes across our hearts when we realize that, you know what, if we give these situations to the Lord, if we commit them to him, if we entrust them to him, he can take care of them. Number four, we can say, Lord, into your hands, I commit this disappointment I read about a pastor who, who went to see a lady who had just received some really bad news. And boy, she was distraught. She was so disappointed and, and so vexed. But then the next day, the pastor went back to see the lady again. And she was as cheerful as she had ever been. He said to her, what, what about your problem? She said, oh, oh, I gave that to the Lord last night. It's in his hands. Isn't that a wonderful phrase? And isn't that a great practice? When we're faced with a disappointment that we can't do anything about, we can just give it to the Lord. And church, I've, I've been doing that over the past couple of weeks with, with our campaign. It's our turn. What, what a disappointment for me to, to right in the middle of this stewardship campaign, uh, we'd be hit with the coronavirus. But you know what? I'm taking that disappointment. I'm just giving it back to the Lord. And I'm saying, Lord, you know what you're doing. So even through this disappointment, would you bless us in ways that only you can? Number five, we can also say, Lord, into your hands I commit this hurt that I have experienced, this anger that I'm feeling, and this desire that I have for revenge. Psalm 37 verse 5 tells us, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Perhaps some of you have been hurt. Maybe someone has 
hurts you. And there, there's really nothing that you can do about the situation. And so you've been carrying around a whole lot of anger. And that anger has turned into bitterness through the years. How great would it be for you to be able to say this morning, Lord, into your hands I commit this situation. Into your hands I commit this person who has hurt me and this anger and this bitterness that has been building up. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Let me tell you, you can do that. And then we can also say, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's what the verse literally says. Into your hands I commit my spirit. That's what Jesus did as he died on Calvary's cross. We can trust God as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We can trust him as we pass through the tunnel of light to the glory land of heaven. I love 2 Timothy 1.12. It says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So guys, there are trials and traps all around us, but the truth is this. God is our refuge, and he is our strength. And so today, we trust him. We trust him by saying, Lord, into your hands I commit my children. Into your hands I commit my problems and my heartaches. Into your hands I commit my disappointments, my anger, and the injustices in my life. And Lord, into your hands... I commit my spirit. One last word. It, it appears in verse 15 of Psalm 31. After David had, had talked about this trap and this truth of God being his refuge and the trust that he has in him, notice what he says in Psalm 31 verse 15. Lord, my times are in your hands. Deliver me. Lord, my life, my times... Are in your hands. I want to take you back a, a few years, actually to February the 4th, 1898. The place is Dallas, Texas. The, the guy I want to tell you about was the new preacher in town. He was the new pastor of the First Baptist Church of downtown Dallas. His name was George W. Truett. 31 years old. He had just taken the, the church a few months before February the 4th. And some of the men of his church wanted to get to know their pastor better. So they invited him to go quail hunting in Cleburne, Texas. And so early that morning, about five of them took off. They went to Cleburne. They spent the entire day hunting quail. And at 3.30 p.m., they were loading up to go back to Dallas. When all of a sudden, George W. Truett, the new pastor's shotgun accidentally discharged and he shot Jim Arnold right below his knee. Now Jim Arnold wasn't just a, a member of First Baptist Dallas. He was the chief of police for Dallas, Texas. And the new preacher had just shot the chief of police right below his knee. One of the men had suspenders on and he took his suspenders off and he used it as a tourniquet so that they could stop the bleeding until they got Jim Arnold to a local doctor who patched him up and sent him back to Dallas. They thought he was going to be okay, but he wasn't. And later that night, the chief of police 
died from complications of being shot by his pastor. Now, to say George W. Truett, this young pastor, was distraught is an understatement. He couldn't eat, he couldn't drink, he couldn't sleep. He just paced back and forth, and he constantly said, I will never preach again. I will never be able to stand behind a pulpit again. A couple of days later, without, without sleeping or without food, his mind went to Psalm 31, verse 15. And he started quoting out loud, My times are in thy hand. Lord, my times are in thy hand. My life is in your hands. And out of sheer exhaustion, he collapsed and he fell asleep. While he was asleep, he had a dream. And in his dream, Jesus came and stood beside his bed, took him by the hand and said, Truett, you're my man. You will preach again. All of a sudden, George W. Truett woke up and he looked for Jesus in his room. But Jesus wasn't there. He realized it was just a dream and he fell back asleep. He had the same dream a second time and also a third time. The next morning, he woke up and he announced, I will preach this Sunday at First Baptist Dallas. Newspapers tell us that on that particular Sunday, numerous churches in Dallas canceled their services and the people went to First Baptist to show support for this young pastor. One of the members of First Baptist wrote this in their memoirs of their church history, that the church was packed to capacity that Sunday, standing room only. And the person said, I've never seen Truett look like he looked when he entered the building. He was just a skeleton of a man. His face was drawn. His eyes were sad. And when he got behind the pulpit, he didn't say anything. For a long time, he just stood there. And it was so quiet in that big church that you could have heard a pin drop. But when he did speak, his voice was different. And the person who said that said, I will never forget that moment in my life because that day our church changed. You know what? George W. Truett was God's man. For the next 47 years, he led that church. They went from 700 people to 7,000 people. That was before mega churches. They baptized over 7,000 people during his ministry. And when he was eaten up with cancer, he tried to resign the church, but they would not let him resign. Because George W. Truett knew what David knew, what Jesus said, and what you need to know today. That when you're in a trap, when you're trapped by the devil or trapped by the world, you need to hear the truth that God is your refuge, that God is your salvation, and you need to trust that truth. Today, you need to trust Jesus. Church, God's got this, and God has you. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I would plead with you to do that this morning. 
It's not a difficult thing. It's, it's so simple a child can do it. You just need to admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus can save you, and then confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Would you do that now as I pray for you? Lord Jesus, thank you for this time together in your word. Thank you for Psalm 31. I pray, dear Lord, that you would bless those who are listening now. And Lord, if there's someone who needs to invite Jesus into their heart, I pray that they would do so. Dear Lord, if there are others who need to repent of their sins and come back home to you, may they do that as well. For the rest of us, Lord, may we be encouraged with this truth that Jesus is our refuge. And dear Lord, may we trust in you. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Kavanaugh Church, I do love you. Uh, tune back in tonight at 6 o'clock on Facebook Live, and uh, you can watch Brother Johnny. Make sure your kids are in front of the TV. They're going to love Brother Johnny's message tonight. For our teenagers, you'll be listening in at 6 o'clock on Instagram Live, and you can hear your youth pastor, Brother Nathan. And then for the rest of you, get back online at 6.30. Our very own Ronnie Fox is going to be teaching an adult Sunday school lesson. Tune back in Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, prime timers. Got something special for you. Your pastor, Brother Ray Copeland, has a word of encouragement for you. I want you to know again that, that God loves you and our staff loves you. Uh, please uh, make sure that you remember to give. You can go online, KavanaughChurch.com, hit the Give tab on our website and give digitally uh, over Easy Tithe, or you can mail your tithe in. Uh, remember that, uh, that you're something special. God's got this, God's got you.